الحمد لله الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على خاتم الأنبياء أشرف المرسلين وعلى آله وأصحابه أجمعين أما بعد From the signs of loving somebody is knowing the person يعني if we see a, a spouse loves the spouse meaning a husband loves his wife or a wife loves her husband or a child loves their parent or the parent loves their child from the alamat from the signs of that is they know their likes and dislikes they know all about them yani it's something strange if somebody says i love this person you tell them what's their name you're like i'm not really sure <laughs> and even if we look in our our unfortunate uh, worldly lives when somebody is really into movies right like they love a particular director I'm not going to name any useless they will be able to tell you how many movies they made when they made them what was their budget and which one went well which one didn't they'll give you all this useless detail right if somebody loves a sports star same thing they can tell you everything about that sports star how many yards they ran how many balls they hit how many they caught whatever right but it is unfortunate that we as muslims who have this claim to love rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam only know about rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam from hearsay yani many of us will tell you something that if you ask them when was rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam born we'll tell you something but we don't really know it's like one of those things i heard it from somebody from somebody right but when it's something that affects our dunya then we're very sure about it <laughs> any uh, i'll give you an example when we talk about getting a, a shot or a vaccine or something some people will research the daylights out of it right but they will be like very careful and alhamdulillah it's good to be careful on things that that's not the issue right but when it comes to matters of aqidah they'll just be like yeah you know i think that's what i think i heard somebody say that where they said i don't know was a bayan any so you see the care is not given if i ask somebody here i have an idea i want you to invest your whole life savings whatever you have every penny you have and they tell you what's the idea sure inshallah we're ready tell them i don't know some guy somewhere told me there's a really great business opportunity i'm not even going to look into it but just write me a check who's going to write me a check nobody like sheikh who's that guy <laughs> what's the idea what's the roi is there a feasibility study like you all these are you should you should But why do we not have the same care and concern when it comes to our religion? So in the seerah we're going to go over some more of the miracles around the birth of Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam but I'm going to bore you a little bit with some of the discussion on the authenticity and weakness of it. Right? Why? Because I'm not here to entertain you. This is educational not entertaining. Right? So from the miracles that's been reported about the birth of Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam is what his mother Amina and his wet nurse Halima. We haven't talked so much about Halima we talked about Baraka. Huh? Um Ayman Baraka. We'll talk about all the different nurses inshallah today. The wet nurses that breastfed the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam. Has reported and is that when Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam was born he rested his arms on the ground and looked up at the sky. See? And this is reported 
by Abdul Razak in his Musannaf Mursalan, yani there is Irsal, because the one that reported his name is Ja'far ibn Abi Talib from Halima, and there is a break there. But many of the A'imma, like Abdul Razak, considered the Sanat to be Sahih and acceptable because the break is between a Sahabi and somebody that he could have met. Right? So this is one of the ones that's reported from the miracles. Many A'imma of Tariq considered this to be Hassan li ghayri. Even though we cannot produce a clear chain that's connected, but this is something that has been reported. From the things that are not authentic, that we hear all the time. And that's a part of these durus is to clarify the kadab, the lies that some of the people just for the sake of entertainment put forward, is that he وسلم, was born circumcised. There is no authentic or even like a hasan or even a weak chain that can kind of be accepted for this. What has been reported for the Prophet ﷺ being circumcised as Ibn Jawzi has recorded them in his mawdu'at are fabrications. Or others that even if they don't go to the level of being mawdu'at, they're extremely weak. Ibn Al-Qayyim has clarified this in Tuhfat Al-Mawlud and uh, Ibn Kathir has objected to these narrations in his Bidaya wa Nihaya. Other people said that Jibreel ﷺ circumcised the Prophet ﷺ and that is also with no basis. All of this is just exaggeration. Then we hear a lot that Rasulullah ﷺ had no shadow. And there is nasheed, you know, la dillahu and all this stuff. Where did you get this? Ah, this is all mubalaka. This is all exaggeration that came afterwards. If you go to the earlier books of tarikh, of, of seerah that have asaneed, no such thing. What happened is some of the Muslims, may Allah يعني, forgive us for our shortcomings, they went into ghulu. They start to exaggerate, even though the Prophet ﷺ warned us, and we mentioned the hadith, that he said, don't exaggerate about me like they did about Isa ibn Maryam. Sahih hadith. But that's exactly what they did. When they found something that sounded nice, they would just throw it into a song or something, or a poetry, and then it would become as if it's a fact. And then all of our little kids are out there singing these nasheeds with all this يعني, incorrect aqaid bil asaf, because we don't care enough to teach what is right. There is no basis for him والسلام, not having a, a shadow. What is correct? As Ibn Abdul Barq has mentioned with Asanid from Ibn Abbas anhuma, that Rasulullah was circumcised on the seventh day after his birth. And this is from the things that are sunnah, to be circumcised on the seventh day, even though if you do it before or after that, there is no sin, I mean, there's no problem. But this is what we see to be mustahab. And this was done by uh, Abu Talib, as we'll talk about, inshallah, uh, at the seventh day, inshallah. Uh, Abdul Muttalib, I'm sorry. Uh, we'll talk about the hadith coming up, inshallah. Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi had two parents. He ate, he slept like insan. And he was human being. We see that some of the people, they go to exaggerate the Prophet ﷺ to be made out of nur, and يعني, they make Balhua uh, Nura and all this stuff, they come in nasheeds and sings and songs. All of this is incorrect. What is mentioned that جَعَلَ, يعني, For example, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, He is the one that brought the sun as a light, and, and the moon to be a light. In the tafsir of this ayah, one of the beautiful things that people don't pay attention to today, why was, and there is a lot of different reasons, one of the reasons the moon was called Nur, 
is because the Arab would use the moon to navigate. And that which guides would be called the nur. Because it's a guidance. As we see from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Alif Lam Ra, Kitab Anzallahu Ilayka, Litukhrij al-Nas, Minas Zulumati, Ila Nur. That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala reveals the Quran upon you, and upon Sallallahu to take mankind out of darknesses into the light. What does it mean, light? Into guidance. So when we see that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Allah is the protector and the friend of those who believe. He takes them out. From the darknesses to the light. All of that from the Quran is understood to mean guidance. So now when we look at the ayah where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, There has come to you from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Nurun, a light, wa kitabun, and a kitab mubin. Tell you, what does the mention here? The kitab, of course, the Quran. But the nur here is a guidance. And a part of that guidance is the sunnah of the Prophet ﷺ, no doubt. But some people misuse this ayah to mean as if Rasulullah ﷺ was not bashar. When the Quran clearly calls Rasul ﷺ al-bashar. I'll mention one more dalil here just to clarify because some of the people of bid'ah, they use ayat and things incorrectly. We have the du'a in Sahih Muslim. Allahumma ja'al fil qalbi nura. Oh Allah, put the nur in my heart. What does it mean? And it doesn't mean that you're going to get a literal, like the malaika, light that's going to pop out of your heart. No, it's huda, guidance. Wasam'i nura, and in my hearing nur. Wabasri nura, and in my sight. Wa yamini, wa shimali. This is all, as we can see in the kutub of, of shuru'ah, the meaning here is guidance. So no doubt the Prophet ﷺ was bashar, he was insan, but he was nur in the sense that he was, a, he was a guidance sent from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Tayyib, we talked about the dream of the mother of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam, Amina. And even though Al-Iraqi, for example, he criticized these uh, narrations, but Al-Bayhaqi and Ibn Kathir, they considered it to be authentic. And no doubt, we have poetry that the Sahaba reported from being reported from the mother of uh, Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam that mentioned this. And then when we look at the ahadith mentioned from Baraka and Halima from the Sahaba radiyanhum, we see that there is, there is no doubt a basis for this, that the mother of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam, she saw a dream. And in that dream, the malaika, they told her about the glad tidings of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam. Innaki, verily you are hamalati, yani you have the pregnancy with the Sayyid, the leader of this Ummah. And when he is born, they taught her some athkar to read upon him. From, to protect that I seek refuge from the one min kulli hasid, from the shar of every jealous person. And this is from the athkar that was taught to protect the Prophet Ibn Ishaq, Al-Bayhaqi, Abu Nu'aym, Abu Bakr al-Jazairi, Al-Mubarakuri, Ibn Kathir, and others have yani, discussed this issue and these narrations and accepted them. Now I will mention some other miracles and events that happened around the birth of Rasulullah wasallam that we cannot prove Sanadan from the Prophet wasallam. And these are news that came to us from the other yani, nations after Islam 
And, and we consider these like Israeliyats. And there's nothing wrong with narrating them. There's nothing wrong with reporting them. As long as there's nothing against the Sharia in him. But I want to clarify always what is Sanadan chain from the Prophet and what we get from others. Like some of these, as when I was checking the chains, when the Sahaba went to the land of Faras and Rome, the people told them about this and then they reported them. And some of these chains and so on, even if they are not authentically attributed to the Prophet or the Sahaba's own aqwal, these are historic reports that I've mentioned that Ibn Kathir and others have mentioned. One of them, that the 14 galleries or large pillars that had yani, all kinds of the uh, worship of the people of Kisra in Persia broke. And some of them mentioned they broke and rolled away. When the Sahaba went to Persia and the Persians gave them this news, they said that our uh, fortune tellers told us the meaning of this. And even though as Muslims we don't go to fortune tellers and things, but this is what they had at that time. These were non-Muslims. They said the meaning of this would be that 14 more kings would rule and after that the Persian Empire would cease. Now, as I said, this is not a hadith from Rasulullah but the ulema of tarikh, they listed out the Persian kings and they showed the 14th was at the time of Umar ibn Khattab and after that time it is true that the Persian Empire collapsed. So it is correct from collaborating historic evidences. Then we have the fire that was lit for a thousand years. And this again is reports from the Persians. We didn't have any Sahabi uh, standing there looking at the fire. Rasulullah was not there. But they said that we had a fire that was burning for a thousand years that we used to worship and it went out at the year that was collaborated by the ulema of tarikh to when Rasulullah was born. And the ulema of tarikh, they said this was a indication to them to prepare them mentally for when the risala, when the message of Rasulullah sallallahu the message of Tawheed comes, for them to know that their time of shirk and worshipping the fire is over. Then we have a famous church that was at the lake of Sahwa that sank. And this is the ulema of tarikh again have reported this from the Romans. And they said that this was one of the indications that our priests had given us that the time of our form of worship will be over. That when this happens, our form of worship would be over. And this sank at the time of the birth of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa according to those reports. Then we have the dream of Amina. And again, there are sanadan uh, objections to this narration. But many of the ulema of tarikh have accepted it and there are supporting evidences which I will mention why. Where she saw a dream where the Malaika told her that you will have a son and to name him Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. When she mentioned this to the grandfather of the Prophet Sallallahu to name him Muhammad, this was something strange Alaihi Because the name Muhammad was not well known amongst the Arabs. The ulema of tarikh, they have said that nobody was named this name before that time. That this name was not known before Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam. Upon research, I found four others. All of them that were born around the same time. And those, again, those narrations have their own weaknesses. But they do mention that these were named because the people 
the Arab that had traveled to the lands of the non-Muslim, to the Ajam, in Sham, to the Roman lands. And priests there had told them that we know that the last messenger will be born. Some of them were told by Yahud, some of them by Nasara. That the last messenger will come amongst you and he will be Muhammad ibn Abdullah. So some of them, they named their children Abdullah in hopes of that. And some of them that got the news, they named four of them. They named their children Muhammad in, in hopes of that. But Muhammad was not a name known before Rasulullah At the birth of Rasulullah Amina had not received this news. She was told this by Malaika. Tayyip, there are two fawai, as Ibn Kathir and Al-Dahabi and others have mentioned in this. One, that nobody was named this before Rasulullah So when the the alamat of Nabuwa would be known and the people would know Muhammad they would know him to be a true prophet. And the other, that none of the Arab claimed prophethood before Rasulullah I mean, there were people from other nations, like amongst the Jews and Christians and others and non-Arabs, that would claim these things. And there were Arabs that made fantastic claims. I am the, you know, you can read, I'm the greatest poet that ever walked the earth, I'm the greatest warrior, and you talk about Jahaliya and some of the, yani mutakabbir, the, the prideful Arab that they had, and, and the claims that they made, and the challenges, but they never made a claim to prophethood. And the hikmah of that is that if there were prophet after prophet being claimed amongst the Arab, then the people when they would hear about the Nabu of Rasulullah sallallahu they wouldn't pay attention to it. So Allah protected the Arab from this, so people would pay attention to this claim. There is a narration from Mujahid, and again this is not from Rasulullah sallallahu or the Sahaba. Mujahid is a tabi'i and he's a alim from the from the tabi'in. And he is from those that took knowledge directly from the Sahaba. So his call also is something that we should give attention to. He says that Iblis only cried loudly four times. There are four times that Iblis cried out loud. One, when he was cursed by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Second, when he was thrown out. One, when he was cursed. And second, at the actual time when he was kicked out. Third, when Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa was sent. And the ulama took this to by one meaning that when he was born and the other when his nabuwa came. But this is the third time. And the fourth time when Surah Al-Fatiha was revealed. Mujahid, the tabi'i, alim, this is his qawl. Now, one thing interesting, as I am always interested in reading some of what the people of other religions said about the birth of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa the narration of Hassan ibn Thabit and the Yahud, which I'll mention again, but I mentioned the last dar, so I'm not going to go detail about that, which is an authentic narration. And this is when Hassan ibn Thabit was seven or eight years old, because that is how much he's older from the Prophet ﷺ. And the authentic narration with the Yahudi, he went and called out to the Yahud that that night, Rasulullah, yani the last messenger of Allah ﷺ would be born. But there is the narration of Kalki al-Awatar. I'm probably mispronouncing that, Sanskrit. But I read this from a pundit. I'm going to mispronounce his name as well. So anybody who knows Sanskrit, I'm apologizing in advance. Vida Parkarash. Upandayaya. 
he is, this is Sanskrit, so it's, it's not like Hindi or Urdu even. But he wrote a very interesting research paper. You can find it translated online. And he is a, a scholar, Hindu scholar, at the Allahabad University in India. And he said, from the writings of the earliest Hindu scriptures, there was to be what they call Kalki Avatar, the last of the avatars or the last of the messengers. And this is interesting because these writings predate the Prophet Now, I cannot make takhreej of these like I can with hadith. I'm depending on the research from these Hindu scholars, right? This is not hadith science, this is their writings. But he said there are signs of his coming. He said the Kalaki avatar, the, he will be the last of all those that will speak on behalf of the Lord. Meaning he will be the last messenger. He will be born in a desert land. This is interesting, right? He will be born in a desert land. His father will have the meaning of Vishnu Bahagat, yani the slave of God, Abdullah. He said his mother's name will be Sumani, which will be the peaceful and the calm one, yani Amina. His food will be dates and olives. That's interesting, right? Because I mean, each one of these will match Rasulullah sallallahu He will be from an honored clan, no doubt the Quraysh and Banu Hashim from them. He will be inspired by God in a cave. Subhanallah, and his inspiration, his wahi will come to him in a cave. He will, he will travel the world on a horse-like creature that will then take him above the skies. He will travel the world on a horse-like creature that will fly and then take him above the skies. He will get divine help in battles. He will be born on the 12th of the month. And this, and there are others, he will be an excellent horse rider and swordman and he will fight himself and, and the, the help of the Lord will be with him in battles and so on. And I'm coming here because now we have to discuss the date when the Prophet ﷺ was born. Now we don't depend on Hindu writings, we depend on a hadith and aqwal of the ulama and things. Now here, there is, I'm going to discuss the day and the date and the year. Most people will be, they will say 12th Rabbil Awal Amal Fi. But you know there is khilaf of ulama on this issue and it's not such a done deal. Right? Now, before I go into that, when is Eid al-Fitr? I mean, not like year-wise, every year, but what month, what day? Huh? First of Shawwal. You guys not sure? There's <laughs> like 200 people here, come on. man. <laughs> when is Eid al-Fitr? Every year, the same day, right? It's not lunar calendar, right? Any ikhtilaf ulema? Any madahib that disagree? No. Ijma'an, no doubt. When is Eid al-Fitr? First of Shawwal. When is Eid al-Adha? Huh? After the 10th, Ashura, then the 10th of the Hijrah, you will get يعني, the uh, Eid al-Adha. Any ikhtilaf ulema on this? No. Tayyib. Why are these two so well known in the Ummah? Because there are ibadat tied to this. Tayyib. When the ulama discuss the birth of Rasulullah date-wise, there are many opinions. I will mention the major opinions. I'm not even going to go into the really odd ones. 
The first one that he was born on a thani on the second of, of Rabiul Awwal. On the second of Rabiul Awwal. Everybody assumes 12. We'll show you some. Al-Waqidi, even though he's matruk in hadith and things, but amongst the ulama of tarikh, he's very early. This, this is something that he reports Abu Ma'ashar and Abdurrahman al-Madni. He takes this opinion that, that Rasulullah was born on the second of Rabiul Awwal. The next opinion is on, on Thalith, on the third of Rabiul Awwal. Uh, and there is a jama'ah, including Ibn Jum'ah, Al-Kitabi, and others who took this opinion from the ulama of tarikh. Then there is the opinion that he was born on the 8th of Rabi al-Awwal. Al-Humaydi, he mentioned this to be the opinion of Ibn Hazm, uh, Al-Hafid, Abu al-Khattab, he also took this opinion. Then there is the opinion that he was born on the 9th of Rabi al-Awwal. And from what I saw, Shaykh Ibn Uthaymeen took this view, and Al-Mubarak Puri also gave tarjih to this view, on the 9th of Rabi al-Awwal. Then on the... Ashir on the 10th of Rabbil Awwal, Ibn Asakir took this view. Al-Waqidi, even though he reports the other view from others, he seems to take this view for himself. And Abu Ja'far uh, also takes this view. Tayyib. Then there is the yani, Jamhur of Ulema, which mentioned that the 12th of Rabbil Awwal, Ibn Ishaq, Ibn Hisham, and Ibn Abi Shayba reports this Sanadan from Ibn Abbas and Jabir, radiallahu anhuma, Dr. Amri, he also takes this view. And this view seems to be يعني, the Jamhur view on the 12th of Rabi Lawal. But there is no Sahih hadith we can show Sanadan from the Prophet. And there is no Ijma of the Ummah on this issue. Why? Because there is no Ibadah tied to this day. There is no Ibadah tied to the day of the birth of Rasulullah. That's why the Ulema of Islam, they are very clear and sure about the Eid, Al Fitr, the day, because there is Eid there. In Eid al-Adha, why? Because there is Eid there, but there is no Eid without al-Nabi, alayhi salatu That's why this bid'ah does not even have a clear date for it. People make up things. Tell you, when was he born? There are many opinions amongst the ulema of Islam. One of them being that he was born 10 years after Amil Fil. I know nobody's heard these, but because people don't research. And why am I mentioning this? First, to educate the Ummah about this. Secondly, when we discuss the age of Aisha and her birth, some people think as if we're trying to rewrite history. No, no. Go back and research. Ulema had different views. And for us to discuss those different views is no problem. Even the age of Rasulullah there is aqwal of ulema. If he was born 10 years after Amin Fil, that would put him at a much younger age at the time of Wahi. I'm not saying this is the strong view, but I'm representing to you that this is a view that existed. Another view is 23 years after Amil Fil and others that gave different ages after that. What is correct though, and the Jamhur al-Alema, is that Rasulullah sallallahu was born during Amil Fil, the year of the elephant. And this is what we see from Asir al-Nabiwa al-Sahih of Dr. Amri, after discussing these different opinions, he considers this to be what is correct. What day was Rasulullah sallallahu was born on? There is khilaf ulema. Some of them said Jum'ah. But this is a shad, ba'id, like really strange view. Why? Because the hadith in Sahih Muslim, hadith number 1162, that Rasulullah sallallahu said about why, when he was asked about fasting, about Monday and Thursday, he said about Monday, that yawm, 
that this is the day that I was born in it and also bu'ittu. Yani this is the day that I was given the revelation in one of the rawayat, andil alayya fihi. Yani this is the uh, day that Rasulullah, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala revealed to me on this day, on the day of Monday. So what is correct is that Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa was born on Monday. Most likely from the, the correct opinion on the 12th of Rabi'ul Awwal, although the 9th of Rabi'ul Awwal also has the aqwal of ulama, during the year of Amal Fi. None of that, ex- that affects our ibad. This is just something for us to know. Now, I mentioned one of the miracles which was Hassan ibn Thabit said that at that time, the Yahud, they came out and they yelled out and some of the ulama, they tried to criticize his narration but Ibn Ishaq, Ibn Isham has this and Shaykh Al-Albani in, in Sahih Al-Sirah, he also considers this to be Hassan. So the Yahud, they realized the signs of Nabuwa, they saw the star that was to come when the last Prophet would be born and they realized this at the time of the birth of Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. The narration that is new that you guys not here in the last class. Ibn Kathir has considered this to be Hassan as a Shaykh Albani. Zayd ibn Amr, uh, he is from the, we'll talk about him, Ibn Nawfil. He says that I was with the people of Sham during that time. Zayd ibn Amr is from before Rasulullah He said one of the priests from the Ahbab, from the priests of the Christians. So you mentioned Hassan, uh, Hassan ibn Thabit, who is the one that told him? The Yahud. But now this is the Christians. He said that one of the priests of the Christians in Sham, he told me that night that Kharaja fi Baladika that has come out in your land, Nabi, the last of the Anbiya, the, a prophet, Farjah. So go back and help him and obey him. This narration is Hassan. This is a reliable narration. Like that of Hassan ibn Thabit. What does that tell us? That when we talk about that the Prophet ﷺ was mentioned in the scriptures of the Yehud and Nasara, we have historic evidence that Sanadan, with chain, we can check that the Yehud, the Jews, realized the birth of the Prophet ﷺ and the Christians realized from the knowledge that they had from their books about the birth of Rasulullah ﷺ. We know Amina, the mother of Rasulullah ﷺ, she became very happy and gave the glad tidings of Abdul Muttalib who took Rasulullah to the Kaaba. And he took him on the seventh day to be circumcised. He was named by uh, Abdul Muttalib, but upon the advice of Amina from the dream that she had. He was also nursed by others than Amina. Amina is mother. I will begin to discuss all the wet nurses of the Prophet ﷺ today. The first being his mother. But we also know that his mother will die when he is a young child. And we'll discuss that inshallah in the next steps. But even while she was alive, he had other wet nurses. The first wet nurse after Amina is not Halima. As most people incorrectly believe. Rather... Uh, it is going to be, uh, so let me go in order first. Tayyib, Amina is going to be first. Then Thawayba is going to be the second. Thawayba is also the wet nurse for Abu Salama and Hamza radiallahu anhu and Mashru'ah. So these three were all 
brothers of the Prophet ﷺ through Tawayr. Hamza radiallahu anhu is related to the Prophet ﷺ through this as well. well. His other relations as well, but this is one of them. Tawayba, her being the wet nurse of Rasulullah is proven from the Prophet ﷺ himself. And this is not some kind of historic report. In Sahih al-Bukhari, uh, when the daughter of Abu Sufyan asked the Prophet ﷺ to take her sister who was born through Thawayba, through uh, Umm Salama, to be the wife of Rasulullah She told the Prophet I want that you take my sister to be your wife. SubhanAllah, something amazing. Because most women have a jealousy. But this uh, Umm Al-Mu'mineen, she had uh, Umm Habiba, the daughter of Abu Sufyan. She had such a love for her sister to get the mercy of being from the people of Jannah. And she knew Ummahat al-Mu'mineen are all from the people of Jannah. She asked the Prophet ﷺ to marry. The Prophet ﷺ explained to her that he cannot. Because one, through suckling, she was related to him. And second, he explained to her because she's your sister. And a man cannot take a woman and her sister in nikah. But this does tell us that Thawayba suckled the Prophet ﷺ and Abu Salam. Tayyib. Then we have Halima Sa'diya because she's from Banu Sa'ad. And she has a son named Abdullah who's also the brother of Rasulullah through suckling. Then we have Baraka bin Tha'laba and we talk Al-Habashiya and she's also called Umm Ayman. And she was the slave of Abdullah, the father of Rasulullah But she was also Sahabiya. She lived long enough that she uh, yani believed in the Prophet and she was the mother of the Prophet ﷺ through rida, through breastfeeding. And she is the mother of Usayma ibn, uh, Zayd ibn Thabit, uh, Zayd ibn Haratha, and the wife of Zayd ibn Haratha, radiallahu anhu. Tayyib. Now we find that a, a, a misconception comes in the ummah regarding Thawayba. And I'm going to end today because of time, even though I wanted to go further, but inshallah upon this. Thawayba was the slave of Abu Lahab. Thawayba was the slave of Abu Lahab. There is a riwayah in Sahih al-Bukhari. 